So we're in a series entitled Becoming Who You Are, and we're making our way through one of the New Testament letters called Ephesians. It was written by the Apostle Paul to people who were part of a church. And I want to start with this image today because I think it helps us understand where the Apostle Paul is going and how this relates to us. I love this picture of a guy sitting in the sun, and he's got to shield his eyes from the sun, and it's captioned, if only I had a hat. (laughs) And it's like, dude, you have what you need, you're just not using it. And that's what this letter is helping us to understand. Because at the beginning of the letter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, this is what God has done for you. When you put your hope and your trust in him, he goes to work and he does things that you and I could never do on our own. And he has equipped us with all kinds of spiritual resources. But now at the end of the letter, what the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to do is to use what we have. And this is the way that he talks about it. Put on the full armor of God. At the beginning, it was all about, here's what God did. And now at the end, it's put on. Now it's our opportunity to apply, to make real what God has given to us as resources and to use them in a battle, a spiritual battle. But God has not left us without resources. Are we using them? And so we've been going one by one through them, and here's where we're going to pick it up once again. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes fit for your feet, having put on the readiness given to you by the gospel of peace. And we looked at each one of those in weeks gone by. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. We looked at that last week, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation. And that's all he says about it here. So what is he talking about? Paul, what does it mean to put on the helmet of salvation? Now, we said from the beginning that he's using a metaphor of a Roman soldier and all the armor that they would literally wear. And he's using that as a picture, a metaphor to equip us spiritually about resources available that we can put on in a spiritual battle. So, what is a helmet about? Uh, The Roman helmet was called a gallia. It looked like this. And I love that they kind of, you know, predated all the grunge stuff and Mohican haircuts and all those kind of things there that, um, you know, kind of have come around again. And imagine being a soldier and going into battle without your head covered with a helmet. That'd be kind of scary, right? You put the helmet on and you have more confidence. And what Paul is helping us to understand is that there is confidence that we can have in the spiritual realm. I think we know that helmets also give us confidence in our context. You know, think about being a motorcycle uh, rider. Imagine riding your motorcycle without the helmet versus with the helmet. And I think with the helmet, it gives us and whoever is with us a level of confidence that we don't have without it. In a construction site, I think a helmet gives a certain measure of confidence. In football, they also wear helmets. I picked one at random um, to show you here. And 
You know, imagine playing football without a helmet versus playing with a helmet. There is confidence that comes from it. Um, so back in Ephesians, he says, take the helmet of salvation. Paul, is there a measure of confidence that we can have? And to further understand that is what he's talking about, there's one other time that Paul talks about armor and he talks about um, a helmet and it's found in a different letter called 1 Thessalonians. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, that sound familiar, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. It can also be translated, the word confidence can be translated hope. And we might think, well, isn't that difference, hope, you know, wishful thinking versus confidence? In the Bible, the word hope always means confidence, assurance, an idea that there is a reason to have confidence going forward. And so, Paul, if you're talking about confidence in where we stand with God, doesn't that sound a little bit presumptuous? How can we know that we have any level of confidence, any assurance about where we stand with God? And I think that's a real question that many people wrestle with, right? A God that we cannot see and faith that can sometimes be really high and sometimes be really low. How can we know, how can we have confidence, assurance about that? So if the helmet is about confidence, I think it also helps us to understand the helmet of salvation. What is salvation? And I think that word often comes off as one of those church words, a buzzword. It can get a little bit weird sometimes. This is an experience I had back when I was a kid. We were traveling on vacation one time. We were far from home. And somebody came up to me while I was a little bit separated from my family. And he asked me this question, are you saved, brother? And I thought, well, there's two things wrong with that question. Number one, you and I don't have the same parents, so you're not my brother. We didn't grow up in the same house. I have a brother, but you're not it. And then what in the world are you asking me? What does that mean? And here Paul is talking about the helmet of salvation. Let's define salvation first. It is a rescue or deliverance. A rescue or deliverance. Well, I think it's important for us to understand a rescue or deliverance from what? And when we understand what it's from, it helps us understand what it is. And the Bible, in so many respects, says, you know what it's from? It's from a condition called sin. Sin. Sin is also one of those words that can mean a whole lot of different things. Literally, it is an archery term that means to miss the bullseye, to miss the mark. The mark of what? The mark of God's holiness. And the Bible says we're all in the same boat with that. That's our experience. And so this rescue, this deliverance is from that condition. I think this is pictured for us so well in one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't. It's called the story of the prodigal son. And a young son comes to his father and says, Dad, I would like my inheritance. And that must have caused jaws to drop in those days because that was one of the most disrespectful things any son could do. What his father owned was legally his, but he would not receive it until his father died. And so this was, in essence, a son saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, and I want what's mine, and I want your clammy hands off my life and my stuff, because I'm going to do what I want with my stuff. 
and he separates from the Father. Sin, in so many respects, is separating from the God of life, from the God who gives us so many good gifts. And everything that is experienced apart from God is the result of separating from the God of life. Everything from measles to racism to abuse to addiction to selfishness to pride, all of that is the result of saying, God, I want to live my life my way and I want you out. And there's an opportunity to be rescued or delivered from that, from this condition called sin. But here's the thing that I find really interesting about this discussion about salvation. In the Bible, salvation gets used in three tenses, past, present, and future. There's a sense in which that can be a part of something that already happened, something that is happening, and something that still will happen. Well, where do you get that? A lot of different places where it talks about it in all the different tenses. Here's one where they're all present. And I am certain that God who began, past tense, the good work within you will continue, present tense, his work until it is finally finished, picturing the future on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So let's go back to our question. How can I have confidence about where I stand with God? How could anybody you know, have maybe that boldness and we might even think the arrogance to think that we can know where we stand with God. But Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation, this confidence about being delivered, about being rescued from what? From everything that's the result of being separated from the God of life. So let's break each one of those down just a little bit. First, there comes a past decision that there's a point in time at which we take that personal step of putting our trust, our hope in Jesus. And when Jesus was nailed to a cross and died, there's one word that he spoke. It gets translated into a phrase in our language, and it says, it is finished. Another way to translate that same word, paid in full. And we might ask, well, what was paid? What was owed? How could there be a payment that's made there? And really what he's talking about is the penalty of being separated from God. The penalty that comes from sin, from missing the mark. I think a great way to picture sin is the word pollution in our context. And if sin is like pollution, you know, maybe we can picture something like this. And maybe this image is kind of the image of our life when we separate from God. That is leaking oil. And there's consequences of all of that. Now imagine if this literally is happening. Now the EPA shows up, right? The Environmental Protection Association comes to whoever owns that boat and says, hey, this is not cool, this is not good, and now you owe a penalty because what you have done has created a debt. There's a problem and that needs to be taken care of. But imagine you don't have the resources to pay it. But then somebody else steps in and makes the payment. And that's what Jesus did for people like us. That there was lives that were leaking oil and there was a penalty as a result of that and we didn't have enough to pay. So Jesus stepped in and said, paid in full. He paid the penalty that was rightfully ours. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, why not? because the penalty has been paid. 
And so now there is no longer that debt. Jesus made payment for us. So what does a past decision do? It rescues me from the penalty of sin. But that's not all there is because there's still a current condition. There is the present tense of what God is doing in our lives. So that same image, right? The oil tanker goes aground, spills some oil. Now there's this environmental, you know, pollution that's playing out. And if the penalty has been paid and they no longer owe because of what's happened, there's still a cleanup that needs to take place, right? So on the other side of that, people get to work and they try to bring things back to the condition that it was before. And that's a picture of being in a relationship with God as well. Not only does he pay the penalty, but when we put our trust in them, then he goes to work to clean us up and to make us over and to get rid of the pollution. And so this is the day-by-day journey that we have with God, that who we are all on our own, that as time goes on because of the grace and the power and the love of God, we are not that same person. And it doesn't mean that this side of heaven we're talking about perfection, but it does mean that we're talking about a changing direction of our lives. That maybe as we look back five years, well, I'm not who I was, but maybe I'm also not going to be who I will be. But God is at work, and there's a cleanup that is underway. And there's a present tense of God doing the work of deliverance, of rescue. And so a current condition. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, and there it is. It teaches us, present tense, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That God is at work here and now, teaching us, leading us, cleaning up the mess that has been created from the pollution of sin. A current condition, what does that rescue me from? From the power of sin from the day-by-day experiences of who we are separated from God. But now, united with God by faith, through his grace, he is at work cleaning us up and making us over. And then, finally, there is a future expectation that there's still something to come in the arena of salvation. Check out this verse. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first began. Paul, you're saying there's still an aspect of this that is yet to come in the future? Yep. There's a full and final version of that. I'm going to switch illustrations now. No more oil tanker, no more cleanup. But I am going to give you this illustration, a makeup mirror. I don't have personal experience, but I've heard some things about how it works. A makeup mirror, there's this really bright light that is shined on your face. And somebody goes to work to make themselves over, to make themselves up. Why do we do that? Because what might look good, you know, inside of our own apartment, our own house, is not going to cut it out in the full light and the full sun of the experience that we're going to have when we leave our house. And it is a great theologian who began life as an atheist and became a follower of Jesus. His name is C.S. Lewis. He uses this illustration to say that's what a journey together in faith is like because there's another day coming, a future day of God's light shining on us. 
And what we do here and now is we're living in preparation for another day. A day when we will live in the light of God. And so it's not always going to be like this. And the life that is to come is not going to be like this one. Through God's power, it is going to be a light and a life that will be eternally different. And things will be the way that they were supposed to be from the very beginning. But we separated from the God of life. But one day he's going to make it all right again. And so we live with a sense of anticipation, of expectation of what is yet to come. And there and then, you know, maybe we'll run into each other and, and maybe I'll say to you, you know what, man, there were flashes of brilliance back in you, in the day in you. I mean, I know you were a Raiders fan and that, you know, is not great. But there was something in you and now look and you would say the exact same thing to me because here and now we fall short of that. But one day it will be all right. And it will be completely transformed by the grace and the power of God. And that day is nearer today than it was yesterday. And so a future expectation rescues me from the presence of sin. Once on that day, we will be separated from sin once and for all time. And it will be no more. Helmet of salvation. Confidence before God. How can we have that? Past decision rescues us from the penalty. A current condition rescues us from the power of sin and a future expectation one day he will separate us from the presence of sin altogether. In the time I have left, I want to talk with a couple groups. One group is followers of Jesus. You put your hope and trust in him. And let me ask you this question. If someone were to ask you, what do you believe? What would you say? How would you share this. The other group I want to talk to are people who maybe have not taken that step of faith and trust yet. You're maybe wondering, what is this all about? And there's a lot of different spiritual ideas out there. What does this really mean? Well, I want to take you back in time in my life. I was about 19 years old, and I was working construction as I was working my way through school. I was going to Bible college, prepping to do this. And I worked for a company, and there were some guys there that were, well, let's put it this way, their language was very flowery. And many times during the week, they would talk about their adventures in New York City on the weekends and everything that came along with that. And then there was the Bible college guy. And one day... One day, we were sitting around and we were having lunch. It wasn't exactly like this. It was getting cold and raw. And so we went inside of a sea container just to get out of the wind and everything. And so we're sitting there in a circle. And all of a sudden, one of the guys looks at me and he goes, Hey, you're studying to be a priest or something, aren't you? And I said, Well, more of a or something. But yeah, you know, for all intents and purposes. And then another guy goes, Yeah, so what's that all about? Basically, it's a question, what do you believe? And they, I just wanted to eat my sandwich in here and kind of be under the radar. And they're all looking at me. And I said something that day, I don't even know what it was really anymore, but it wasn't good. And so if I could go back in time on that day, can I just share with you what I think I would share? And as a follower of Jesus, maybe this is just 
one way for you that if you get asked the question, what do you believe? Maybe this would be helpful to you. And if you're still not sure that you've taken that step of faith and trust, maybe this can bring some clarity to that decision and what that looks like. I think there's one verse that just kind of sums up very succinctly what the Bible talks about from beginning to end. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The first part is about us all by ourselves. The first part is us separated from God. First, there's the word wages. What's a wage? A wage is what you earn for what you've done. Many of you, you worked this last week, you got a wage for what you have done. Well, the wages of sin, there's that word of separation from God, of missing the mark, is pretty bleak, right? It's death. And that's who we are on our own. That's who we are separated from God. And then one of the best words in the whole Bible, but, but. On the other side of that equation is what God does. And on our own, that's where we are. But on the other side, on, from God, there is a gift. How much do you pay for a gift? Nothing. Otherwise, it's not a gift. A gift is freely given. But the gift of who? It's God's gift. It's not something that we muster up inside of ourselves. It's not something that we work ourselves toward. It is the gift of God. And what does it bring? It brings life. But how do people on their own who are over on that side, how do they get over onto this side? And where is it found? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And what Jesus did for us is what allows us to be on this side, on God's side. So in a very short term, how do we put on the helmet of salvation? We recognize the truth about ourselves. We understand what God has done for us. And we put our hope and our trust in Jesus who came to our rescue, who came to deliver us from what? From the wages of sin that is death. What does he give us? A gift. It's his gift. It's God's gift. And it brings life. If you've never taken that step of faith and trust, can I invite you to do something? We're going to put a word up here, trust, with a number to text. And if you're going to take that step, I'd invite you to text the word trust to that number, and here's why. We want to get into your hands some information that we think will be really helpful to getting that relationship underway so that we can experience the helmet of salvation, God's deliverance, God's rescue day by day, and apply that to the real moments of life. It would be our honor to get that to you. Would you bow your heads together with me as I pray? God, thank you for who you are. You are the one, the undefeated one who sits on high. The God who has come to our rescue. And God, thank you for understanding who we are and our great need for you, for your grace and your love and your power. And thank you for offering to us what we could never do for ourselves. And thank you for bridging the gap 
that exists between every single one of us and a holy God who loves us and is also just. And God, you dealt with justice and you showed us your love and we can step into a relationship with you and it's all you're doing. So God, be at work in our hearts and lives. I pray that day by day here in this ongoing broken world of ours, that we could wear the helmet of salvation, that we could have confidence and assurance because of you, a decision we've made to trust you, a current commitment to follow you, and a future expectation. There's another day coming, and God is going to make it all right. So may our hope be in you, and God, thank you for so much grace along the way. And we ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.